Today's episode is proudly sponsored by Radical Polymers. Nation, running a water treatment business is hard. Dealing with your suppliers shouldn't be. And when I deal with the fine folks over at Radical Polymers, I have always felt like I have had a partner. They test things in the environment that we are going to use their products. They also make sure that if I have any questions that I get the answer that I am looking for. Mike and the fine folks over at Radical Polymers answer the phones. Folks, when was the last time you actually talked with somebody when you had a technical support question? Well, they make your issues their issues and they get right down to the problem. They offer best-in-class technologies with the first-class support that I just mentioned. Go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash radical to find out more. Welcome to Scaling Up, the podcast where we scale up on our knowledge so we don't scale up our systems. My name is Trace Blackmore. I get to host this awesome podcast. And folks, I am so excited about this show. I've got a guest that so many people have asked me to re-interview. Many people have taken part in her study and learned how to communicate better with others. But before I get to introducing her, I'd like to introduce James McDonald with another installment of James's Challenge. Hello, Scaling Up Nation. James McDonald here. And you know what that means. It's time for another James's Challenge to help you grow as an industrial water treatment professional, drop by drop. James's challenge for the week is... Send handwritten notes to those who have helped you. Okay, you may be asking yourself, how will writing a note help me be a better industrial water treatment professional? I'm here to tell you it absolutely will. In the electronic age we live in, Having someone actually take the time to sit down and handwrite a note to you has real meaning. It wasn't a quick email, text, or message. It was a focused, personal message from you to them. It will form genuine bonds that solidify your relationships with those around you even more. Just give it a try. One try. Please consider sharing your experience on LinkedIn, tagging it with hashtag JC21 and hashtag ScalingUpH2O. I really look forward to hearing how this goes. Thanks, James. And Nation, if you are not sharing your progress with these challenges, I urge you to do so. It motivates us all. It holds us all accountable. It just makes the whole process a little bit more fun. You've got two hashtags to go to for that. You've got hashtag JC21, as in James's challenge. And then, of course, hashtag scaling up. H2O. Folks, we have another hang that we are doing with the industrial water treatment community. So many people have joined us on these hangs. What is a hang? How do you not know what a hang is if you listen to this show? Well, maybe it's your first time. It's, it's okay. We will let you know what the hang is. And what a hang is, it's where we get together on a virtual meeting 
We do a couple of fun things. We break up into small breakout rooms where you get to network with people in your industry. Folks, this will start on February 11th, exactly at 6 p.m. Eastern time. It will go for one hour. And then after that one hour, you will have new connections that you can reach out to and learn new things in the water treatment industry. I urge you to put that on your calendar. Once again, that's February 11th at 6 p.m. Eastern time. If you want to register for that, you can go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash hang and all the information you ever wanted to know about the hang is right there. Folks, last year, I had the honor of interviewing Kathleen Edelman. Kathleen wrote a book called I Said This, You Heard That. Matter of fact, it's a workbook and it's meant for you to go through and evaluate how you communicate. Folks, I have to tell you, I never really gave that much thought on how I communicate. But once I started understanding the work that she did, it allowed me to realize why misunderstandings took place. I was always speaking from my lens and I wasn't necessarily speaking from theirs. And I know you all know that I don't go very many episodes without talking about the seven habits of highly effective people, but the seven habits does a great job of allowing us to realize that we all look within ourselves for our own frame of reference. And then that frame of reference is how we speak to others. Well, guess what? Others have different frames of references because they've had other experiences. What Kathleen does that is so exciting, that has been so helpful to me, is she teaches us how to use words so we can better communicate with others, even without knowing their frames of references. So if you have not listened to my original interview with Kathleen Edelman, that was episode 117. Since that episode aired, I had so many people in the Scaling Up Nation thank me for introducing Kathleen to them. Many people went and purchased her workbook and did that study with themselves, with their families, with their businesses. And I just received some great feedback from that. Now, if you want her workbook, and after listening to her episode today, most likely you cannot wait to get it like I was when I first heard her speak. But we created an affiliate link, scalinguph2o.com forward slash I said you heard. Now, it's not a prerequisite to get the workbook or listen to the episode before you listen to this episode. But I will tell you, if you have not listened to the first episode, again, that's episode 117, I think some of the things we talk about will make even more sense. So just a little note to the Scaling Up Nation. Now, Nation, I'm going to get right to our interview. Here is Kathleen Edelman. Scaling Up Nation, I am so excited to introduce my next guest. We had her on last year, episode 117, and so many people out in the Scaling Up Nation commented on how this was a tool they wish they had before. This was a tool that had helped them find language to get over the barriers that we have in communication. And I have been so excited for this interview. 
Uh, my guest is Kathleen Edelman. Kathleen, thank you so much for coming on again to Scaling Up H2O. Thank you for having me. You know, I love, love, love to talk about this topic, and especially with people who are as passionate as you about getting the message out. Well, you and I were talking a little bit before we started recording, and I wanted to share with uh, Scaling Up Nation because they know I am a huge Seven Habits of Highly Effective People fan. And somebody gave me that book as a gift when I was 19 years old. And that was just a huge gift. I didn't realize how huge, but it's helped me so much. And habits four, five, and six are think, win, win, seek first to understand, and habit six, synergize. I've been trying to do that my entire life. And there was just something missing. I didn't know what was missing, but then I was introduced to the work that you did on temperaments. And that's what it was. Thank you for the work. And I just can't wait to, to get into this conversation again. Interesting. Let, let me start with a question. What do you think was your biggest takeaway from the I Said This, You Heard That book that filled that void? That we all speak and we listen differently. I, I, I want to say I understood that, but I didn't really I would think the words that were coming out of my mouth were the exact way that people were hearing it. And a lot of times I would change my tone and that really didn't change anything. Or maybe I would change a word here or there to try to better explain something, but I was always in my lens. And the funny thing with that is the seven habits talks about paradigms and getting in the other person's point of view. I didn't have a tool to get there. And that's what this provided for me. Excellent. That is exactly what it's there for, is to learn to look through a different lens and love other people better through the words you use that are intentional. Most miscommunication is not intentional. And I have to say, one of my favorite things that you say that so describes what you do so well is the words you use are a gift that you give to other people. Exactly. That to me, is the art of communication. Communication to most people is just talking, but you can literally talk to yourself in a room all day long. The next step from talking is communicating, which is the exchange of thoughts and emotions. Where I want people to get is the art of communication, that each word that comes out of your mouth is a gift to the person that you're speaking to because that's what we're responsible for. We're responsible to help each other bring out the best in each other. So when you do that, starting with yourself, speaking words intentionally that make you the best version of yourself, what's your self-talk saying? So you wanna be talking to your strengths and managing your weaknesses and being authentically the best version of yourself. Because what we do know is you cannot give what you don't have. So you have to first even start with this communication as understanding your wiring and why you use the words you do and what is your core motivator to do the things you do. And then understand that other people may be wired differently. And each of those people under the temperaments speak their own language. So we want to honor that by understanding and speaking fluently the other languages that aren't your own. 
When you were here on episode 117, you did a great job outlining what the temperaments are, but there are probably some people that are listening that either haven't listened to that episode in a while or they have not listened to that episode. So I want to do a very brief overview of what the temperaments are. Can you help us with that? Absolutely. Because what we know right out of the gate is temperament is not personality. So temperament has been around for over 2,000 years. Um, What Hippocrates studied was he studied how people naturally responded to different situations, and he started to put those into categories. Well, those categories landed into four different squares or categories. And in about 60 AD, they were named by another doctor, Dr. Gallen, And the Greek names can be a mouthful, but they are choleric, sanguine, melancholy, and phlegmatic. So these are the roots in temperament. And this is what every personality assessment that's out there spins off of, is this root study of the temperaments by Hippocrates. So each of those four temperaments has descriptions that you can if you just listen to the words, I use colors and I said this, you heard that book. So we matched sanguine with yellow, choleric with red, melancholy with blue, and phlegmatic is green. So we're going to be interchanging those colors and names, but the sanguine and the choleric are extroverts. This does not mean in communication that they like to be around a lot of people. What it means is their thoughts and emotions go outward. These people have no filter. They say what's on their mind. They talk before they think. The melancholy and the phlegmatic are introverts. This means that they think before they talk. Again, this has nothing to do in communication about the amount of people they want to be around. This means that they have to process before they communicate. Again, they'll think before they talk. So right then you're starting to think, hmm, what is my core motivator when I am going to communicate something? The next category is the choleric and the melancholy are task-oriented people. These people want to accomplish something. They want to produce something. They want to get things done. They are going to be doers instead of connectors. The yellow, the sanguine, and the Phlegmatic are people-oriented people. So they, they want to connect with somebody. They want a relationship. They're always going to pick people over a task. So when you're looking at this information I just gave you, it's so important in communication because if you have anybody in your life that's a green, that is an introvert that likes to be around people. So right now, if we take the social cues of what we've been told, that's confusing to us. But we have to know that in order to understand that person better. So when you do an assessment of trying to find out, gosh, how am I wired? You have a dominant and a secondary temperament. And it's usually when you see a chart, like in the book, this will make sense when you look at it, it'll be horizontal or vertical, usually never diagonal. So the diagonals would be a red and a green or a blue and a yellow. 
So we want to make sure that we understand our wiring, how Hippocrates did it, because each one of those temperaments, not only are extrovert, introvert, people task, but they have all kinds of strengths and weaknesses that are unique to them. So the yellow is an inspiring, encouraging. What's unique to them is they're so good at seeing the best in people. They're in the moment, but they can interrupt. They can be distracted. They can be loud. They can be obnoxious. Where the choleric, this is a driven person. This is a person that delegates well, wakes up, wanting to get things accomplished, excels in emergencies. What's unique to that red is their ability to see a vision and get things done. But this person can also be bossy or impatient or even arrogant. The blue, this is a person who's analytical. They're logical, but they're also creative and musical. What's unique to the blue is their ability to see obstacles between A and B. Where the red can see B so clearly, the blue can see every obstacle up to the B. Then there's the green. This person is, well, let me go back to the blue for a minute. Let's not put by that they can be moody or judgmental or critical as well. Um, I happen to be a blue, so of course I went right past our weaknesses. And then the green, this person is so innately kind. They are great listeners, great leaders of people, where the red is a great leader of tasks. This person's unique in the fact that they are the calm in the midst of chaos. So they can really just help people, encourage people, but they also can be unenthusiastic, hard to get moving, have no sense of urgency. So as you start seeing the different things and the temperaments and understanding the foundation, now we can build and understand why they each speak their own language and learn to paradigm shift or look through a different lens so we can give grace and understand which words to choose. The words you use are the words you choose. So we want to make sure we're choosing right words that the other person can hear. Kathleen, where we left off back on episode 117, we did a great job, or I say we, you did a great job of explaining what the temperaments were, how we start to understand them. What I would love to do today is with that understanding, how do we use them? How do we use them as, as you say, we put the oxygen mask on so we can help ourselves first. Now we can have that pause when we see the conversation isn't going the way we think it should be going. Things, words aren't getting heard the way we mean them. First off, what's a good way to realize that that's happening? And instead of keep digging the hole deeper, okay, I need to stop. I need to think through a different lens. So how do I do and what do I do? I guess is what I'm saying. Well, first we have to go back and we have to understand that most people listen to respond or react. They listen to reply instead of listening to understand. So our first thing in communication with any temperament is you have to listen to understand what the person's saying to you. So now that your listeners know a little bit about temperament, let's let them know you're red, correct? I am, yes. When In fact, when we were talking, I asked you what my secondary color was. You smiled and laughed and said, you don't have one. 
Yeah. Yeah. I don't even know if you have a drip of one, but <laughs> it's in there somewhere. So my dominant one, my dominant temperament's blue. So let's put this scenario together for your listeners. When you talk, you talk out of a red lens. If you and I are talking, you're going to talk out of that red lens, but I'm going to listen out of my blue lens. So 100% of communication lands on the listener, okay? You can be very careful with your words, but the words have to match what I can hear. So you speak out of red, I hear out of blue. I'm going to respond, uh, most likely react, That's a, we'll talk about that too, out of blue, and you're going to hear in red. So what I'm trying to do with the I said this, you heard that, is I'm trying to eliminate that gray area in between that conversation. Because again, most miscommunication isn't intentional. You came into that conversation with me, not trying to be mean or rude or have conflict, but I hear in blue. So my words are literally different than the words that you speak. So what we want to do is we want to be very aware. If you say something that I perceive has a tone or it's harsh, or it seems like you're giving me an order, which would be very common between you and I, you're thinking, well, she just needed to know, you know, I had to give her the information. It's not like you're intentionally trying to be mean, right? But I hear it as, why is he yelling at me? You know, why does he have that tone? So there's immediate conflict between you and I, because it's coming in, not as a blue temperament. So what I want you to do, what I want everybody to do is pause before they talk. So the how the ladder goes is you find out your temperament. You first and foremost have to accept your temperament. Then you have to be aware of it. What language do I speak? How do I speak to different people? How do they hear me? How do I learn their languages? Then the next part is what you're talking about, is application. And as you apply it and immerse yourself in it, you become fluent in the other temperaments. And then that lands in authenticity. You become authentically yourself and you're giving other people grace to be their authentic self. So let's go back to our scenario. If you wanted to eliminate the gray area, you would know First of all, you would want to take the time to try to listen to understand so you would hear what words I speak. Most likely, I'm going to say things like planning or strategy or that needs, no, we really want to be more compassionate or thoughtful to that person. I'm literally going to speak blue words so that now you have identified me as a blue temperament. So when you come in to talk to me, I want you to pause. I want you to take off your red lens and put on a blue lens and whatever you were going to say, it's going to look differently now. So instead of maybe we're in a work scenario and you come in and you come right in my office, maybe, and you say, Kathleen, that report has to be in my office by four o'clock. Okay. You've already thought about it, that it's really important and that's the deadline and that's just factual. It came into me as a direct hit of, doesn't he think I can get this done? Doesn't he see that I'm working? 
You know, what? why would he do? Because blues immediately what? Remember we said earlier, go inward. I'm kind of thinking, what did I do wrong? So let's go back and redo that scenario. You're going to come to the office door and you're first and foremost going to knock because blues do not like to be interrupted when they're working. And I say, oh, come on in. You would say, hey, I really want to, you know, be sensitive to your time frame. And I just found out that that report that you're working on, which I can help you in any way I can, has to be turned in by four o'clock. Is there anything I can do to help or are you on track with that? And I'm going to go, no, I'm good. In fact, I'll be done at 3.30. So do you see the difference in how it was approached? There is an absolute difference there, but I can't help but thinking I've had a lifetime of learning how to speak through my red lens and how difficult it is to shift. Yes, it's very difficult to shift, but you have to realize that if we just take the time to be intentional, the reward is so much greater. Because when you talk to a person and number one, they can hear you and they feel so much more known and understood and loved, they now have something to give. Because the most important thing that separates me from personality assessments is the innate needs, which maybe your listeners have to review, I mean, if they don't know them. So let me tell them really quickly. The yellow, the sanguine, is attention, approval, acceptance, and affection. The red is loyalty, sense of control, appreciation, and credit for work. The melancholy, the blue, is safety, sensitivity, support, and space and silence. And the green is harmony, feeling of worth, lack of stress, and respect. These are key, key, key to what I teach in communication, because you are, even when you were a little guy, you were trying to fill loyalty, appreciation, credit for work, okay? You subconsciously, that's your core motivator. So we have to understand that everybody's working off those core motivators. So when you put communication in there, It is like four people speaking four different languages. So we want to make sure that we're using a language that builds that person up according to their needs. Because remember, we said in the first episode, everything I teach is off what I think is one of the best outlines in communication there is. Do not let any unwholesome words come out of your mouth. Only what builds others up according to their needs and benefit all who listen. So when I'm thinking of you and I'm coming in, I know I want to show you loyalty. I want to show you appreciation, credit for work and sense of control. So I'm going to come in and as much as I want to give you details because I'm blue, I know that's not how you hear. So I'm going to say, hey, here's the bullets points. This has to be um, done. This is what was asked for. And the bottom line is four o'clock. If you have any questions, I'll be in my office. How does that sound to you? I would connect with that immediately. Immediately. But that's not how I talk. So I want, I'm trying to honor the way you're designed so that you can hear what I'm saying. 
and it gets rid of that gray area. Kathleen, I can tell you as I have been trying to practice this, and and again, I love being able to tell myself, okay, the words that I choose to use are the gift that I'm giving the person who's listening. That has helped me so much. But I'll also say I don't always have that mental conversation before I speak. And then I realize I just went into this blues office and I've been speaking for the past five minutes in my red lens. And now I've created something that didn't need to be created. What do I do then? Yeah, well, always, first of all, second of all, third of all, I'm all about the revisit because I've been doing this for over three decades and I still, my train still goes off the track once in a while because, you know, we're just humans. So we, we are going to make mistakes. But here's the thing. If your train goes off the track and you realize it, there's nothing wrong with the revisit. It's circling back around and saying, Kathleen, I just realized I barged right into your office and you were working and I want to be sensitive to that. So I apologize. Or you can say, you know, if there's a conflict, you can say, Kathleen, I really see that we're off. I think it was something I said. What could I have said differently? Or how could I have said that differently? There's two activities in the book that I think are crucial. Each temperament has their own strengths and their own weaknesses that they have to deal with. When you identify, if you are in your weaknesses, you are not going to most likely be speaking kindly to the person in front of you. So we're trying to get to the point where we're constantly functioning out of our strengths. So the first step we have to do here is we have to identify when we're in our weaknesses. If I'm being moody when I go to work or I come home, that is not me and my strengths. That's me and my weaknesses. So I have to say, I have a tendency to be moody. What does this circumstance require of me? And I have to replace it with a strength. I have a tendency to be moody, but I'm going to choose to be compassionate. Or it can be, I have a tendency to be moody. I have to choose to be logical. For you, it might be, I have a tendency to be impatient, but I'm going to delegate well in this situation. A yellow might say, I have a tendency to interrupt, but I'm going to show curiosity. The green might say, I have a tendency to be unenthusiastic, but I'm going to listen well in this certain circumstance. So then once we're learning to live out of our strengths, right, then we have to understand The second most important activity is what part did I play and what could I have said or done differently? And that's what you're asking yourself. You've been working over here on your strengths and weaknesses. You see there was a blip. You want to say to yourself, what part did I just play there? And what could I have said or done differently? And sometimes it's asking the person. And most of the time, you know what you did. Kathleen, everything you mention depends on us being able to identify what color the person we're speaking to is. And you do that a lot better than I do. What advice do you have for all of us to be able to identify people better? Okay. This is probably the question I get the most because 
personality assessments are usually set up to know all about yourself. When you understand temperaments, it takes it to the next level because you know you'll be able to identify and, and honor how you're wired, but it really is more about understanding the other person. So when we spoke about the strengths and weaknesses and we spoke about the innate needs, those are two things that are going to be like cheat sheets for you to learn to become fluent in another language. But again, that first part starts with listening to understand. So what I would love people to do, of course, is get the book and read over all the different temperaments. Because literally how I wrote that was to be an initial cheat sheet for you. If you read through all the strengths and weaknesses of a blue, again, you and I are friends, so you want to know, maybe you don't know me yet, but you you have read through and you've seen all the strengths and weaknesses and you see safety, sensitivity, support, I guarantee a blue is going to use the words right off those charts. Those words were chosen in, intentionally. They're not on there wi- willy-nilly. They're on there because that's the words that blues connect with. The same with all the other temperaments. So if I read through, again for you, all the red strengths and all the red weaknesses and your innate needs, I can literally start to identify because I can hear those words. You're going to say things like, well, if nobody's going to take charge, I'm going to take charge. Well, you know, it, it re- this work has to get done. What's the bottom line? Or you'll say something like, you know what? He didn't have my back. So that's on him. Okay. (laughs) If you listen to those statements, they literally are all red statements because they're using words right off the red charts. You you are looking for control. And remember, for the reds, I want to put a little thing in here. This is really important to me. There's a difference between having control and a sense of control. When a red is in their weakness, They want control and power, but their innate need is a sense of control. And I'm going to ask you a question. Do you always want to be in charge? I will fill a void if I need to, but I am at my best when somebody else is uh, is doing what they're supposed to do. Exactly. So sense of control to a red means that you are doing what you were asked to do, you're pulling your weight, and you're doing what your unique gift is. Now, if a red walks into the room and those that isn't happening, they're the first to take charge. So again, it's, it's reading those innate needs, understanding them, and then listening to how, if you had, if you just said that statement you just said, I would know immediately that you're a red. Because in that exact scenario, If I walked in and people weren't doing what they were supposed to do, I would not think, oh, I'm going to take charge. I would think I have to go find out who's in charge here. That would be my first thought. It certainly wouldn't be me taking charge because I would be fearful to step up because I don't know what the details are of what they're trying to accomplish. And I wouldn't want to mess it up. Do you see? So looking through those words, listening to understand, 
watching how um, a person's even behavior or, or stature is. You know, you can watch behavior where, a, again, a red or a yellow will walk in the room. Most likely they don't, they won't go and just sit down. They're looking at the room. A blue or a green walks into the room, they'll immediately find a chair and sit down because they have to analyze, is this a safe place? Is this someplace where I'm really going to be able to speak up or I'm going to be, you know, they're both going to be nervous. So it's watching behavior. It's listening to words. It's reading the cheat sheets in the book and then taking that pause before you talk and flipping those words before they come out of your mouth. Kathleen, during a previous conversation we had, you used a castle metaphor to explain that. Could Do you mind doing that for us now? Sure. I love the castle metaphor because, it, you know, it came up when I was working with children because children, just so you know, a little side note, Children get the temperament so much faster than adults because children are so pure in their temperament until the world starts telling them different. So they'll walk right in my office and go, oh, yeah, they'll look at the chart and I'll talk to them a little bit and they'll go, oh, yeah, I'm red. They'll just accept it. They'll be like, yeah, I'm red. Oh, yeah, no, I'm yellow. Oh, my mom's this or my dad's this. I love I love how pure kids are. But one of the scenarios I use with them is Imagine going into a castle and all the four temperaments are in the horse-drawn wagon and they get up to the drawn bridge. Right then you're going to see the difference because the red's going to go, we're going right in the front door. We're going to see what this is all about. The blue's going to go, oh, oh no, you're, I'm going to go around the side and see if there's an, uh, another door because I don't know if it's safe. I want to be able to get out. And the yellow and green's going to go, the yellow's going to go, hey, follow me. Let's go see if there's any people here. They're going to go around the other side to see who lives there and what's going on. So each one in front of that castle is going to do exactly how they're wired to do. And the green's going to go with yellow to see if there's people. Kathleen, again, you had years of practice and, and I'm just getting started. So let's say I try to use uh, what you just taught me. And I think that you are green. And I'm now using green words to speak to you and it's not going well. So did I make the matter even worse because I, I tried to give you a gift in a color that was not you? No, because you were doing that when you were talking to me in red. Interesting. I, I, I never thought of it that way. Yeah, you were, you're just speak instead of speaking French, now you're speaking German <laughs> and I speak Spanish. I mean, it's just it's now just another language is coming into me. Kathleen, I, I have to tell you, that was huge. A light bulb went off in my head and I, I've never looked at what we've been practicing for a year and a half together that way. That was a huge statement. Thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah, because that's exactly it. And here's the thing is that, again, you're going to make mistakes until you become fluent, right? And that's why I want you first and foremost to have grace on yourself. Because it does take time to be fluent in a language. It, it does take time to, you know, learn how to love another person better according to their needs. Here's the thing. The one thing that all the temperaments share is selfishness. And I think 
if you were to ask me what's the biggest obstacle of, of becoming fluent, that's it. We've got to learn to get out of our own way. This isn't necessarily an easy journey. What I love about what I teach is it's so simple and it's easy, but it takes practice and it takes intentionality. And the thing is, if you become selfish and you go, well, what about my need for safety? Or what about my need for, you know, sensitivity? Okay. The minute I go there, I've went from a servant's heart to selfishness. And there's no way when I'm being selfish that I can love you better as a human being. So I first and foremost have to get out of my own way. That's why it's really important for you to know your innate needs. Remember at the very beginning of our conversation, we talked about self-talk. I am first and foremost responsible to love myself and how I'm designed, not in an arrogant way, but in an honoring way, because it's in my strengths is where I'm going to find my calling. So I have to speak kind words to myself, live in my strengths, honor my innate needs so that I have something to give another person. I don't want to have to depend on another person to fill those needs for me. So meaning I am 100% myself. I happen to be married. I've been married for, again, over three decades. My husband is not responsible for my happiness. He's on this journey with me. It's 100% me, 100% him. So when he feels sensitivity or safety or support for me, it's like icing on the cake. Then if my children do it, it's like sprinkles on the icing. But the person that's most responsible for being the best version of me is me. So that's where we have to start. And that's where you're going to realize, was I being selfish or was I really taking the time to speak words to lift another person up? And if I was wrong with that, let me find out how they're wired. Let me try that again so that I can make sure I'm, I'm doing it right. And where you're going to have grace on yourself, sometimes people don't know themselves. This person could have been masking green and you did it exactly right. And there's a conflict within that person. So, you know, those are the kind of things that we just don't see coming. So we just have to do the best we can. Kathleen, as you alluded to earlier, I am a red. And I remember when I first started going through your work and I started reading the weaknesses. I didn't necessarily see those as weaknesses. And I don't mean that uh, I don't mean that badly, but I just I just saw those and that that kind of just seemed like how I was. So after my team did the temperament examinations and we were revealing to each other what our temperaments were, and I said, well, I'm a red, and they all kind of laughed and said, well, how could you not know that? Well, you know how funny that is to me right now, because we, we just are filming for the second book. And on the second part of the filming, I interviewed 34 children. And every time one of those children was a red child, that's exactly what everybody said. Like when they got up from the set, they were like, 
that guy was definitely red or that girl was definitely red. How can you not see it? Because again, a red is so, it's an extrovert that's task oriented, that has no fear. This is a warrior that's out there. This person, we need reds because they are willing to step out before they even know if there's a bridge. You know, they will fight for people. So this is a very strong and powerful temperament. But what I know I told you at the beginning when we met is you have a high power bar. But when we met, those that power bar was edgy. And that's what causes the fear of other temperaments of a red. All I want you to do as reds and the reds out there is not to pull down your power bar, but to soften your edges. So when I say that, this is so important that you said that because two things. One, when reds come into my office, I wish I could say you were unique, but you're kind of textbook. And the fact that when reds come in my office, they say one of two things. They either say, I don't want to be red, or they circle all the weaknesses and say, I don't see any weaknesses. And that's my category. Exactly. And it's one of the two all the time. So here's the thing. This is what I want to change. I want the reds to be aware of how their weaknesses affect other people, just like all the other temperaments. Because remember the second step in what I said, it was acceptance, awareness, application, and authenticity. That red stumbles in the awareness part to the point where the reds have an issue with tone and volume. Just like when I said earlier, if you came in barging in my office, I would say, why are you yelling at me? And your response most likely would be, I'm not yelling at you. I'm just telling you what needs to get done. But your tone and volume to me literally sounded like you were yelling at me. So the red, the awareness is so critical to put humility into communication Here's what I want to change for the Reds, because this is really just heavy on my heart. When all through these decades, when people describe the temperaments, most of the temperaments are described in their strengths. So they'll say, oh, yellows are so funny. They're fun to be with. Blues are thoughtful. They're so um, compassionate. Greens are so kind, so easygoing. Reds, they're bossy. (laughs) They're impatient. I mean, to me, my heart drops when people do that. Or you say you're red and people roll their eyes. I've had that. You've had that. I'm sure. I don't like that. That's not okay with me. Because reds bring so much to the table that that's not okay with me. So it's two ways. One is the red has to understand and be aware that their weaknesses are weaknesses. There's a difference between arguing in debating or negotiating. There is a difference between volume and just communicating. So being aware of those weaknesses, that's on you. Me having grace for you and looking for the best. See, in any relationship, you will find what you're looking for. So if I'm looking at my friend, you, that is red, I want to constantly be looking for 
that person that excels in emergencies, that gets things done, that's driven, that would have my back, that would fight for me. And so when you come in and you may have a tone, maybe you're in a hurry and you you didn't realize it, that's when I can have grace for you. Because I know you're not doing that intentionally. Do you see? That That's huge. So it's communication just both ways all the time. Kathleen, I, I've worked with a lot of people that have also done your study. And something that I've noticed is some people will use their color as an excuse. Well, I can't do that because I'm yellow. I can't do that because I'm red. I don't think that's your intention of what your work was for. No. Even you saying that makes the hair go up on the back of my neck because I always stress is once you know this information, we never, ever, ever, there's never a reason to use your temperament as a weapon or as an excuse ever. There's never a reason to do that. When people are are choosing to do that, I think they're caught unfortunately, in the personality realm. Because there's another thing that you just brought up that I want to clarify. Even though there's four temperaments, this is not labeling or putting somebody in a box. So if I'm speaking at an event or something like that, usually somebody will say, well, I don't want to be put in the bo- a box. I'm telling you right now, nine out of 10 times, that's a red telling me that. And because they don't want to be told what to do. But the fact that they even said that statement makes me know that they're a red. So you are automatically going to put yourself in the category of how you're wired. But we have to remember the temperament never changes. Remember, temperament never changes. Personality can change because personality is the what. It's the behavior you're doing, where temperament is the why you're doing that behavior. So once you understand the temperament and you know you're not going to change, what I have to have people understand is we're all thriving and trying to live in our strengths. Yellows do not own funny. Reds do not own leadership. Blues do not own strategy. Greens do not own kindness. Every single temperament can be a good leader, can be a strategist, can be funny, can be kind. Every temperament has the capability of doing those strengths, but they're going to do it through the core of their temperament. How you lead or how you have humor is going to look different than how I lead. And my sense of humor. But we both have access to all those strengths once we master our own. So are you put in a box? Only if you keep yourself there. Master your own and then knock yourself out to learn the strengths of the others because that's what we're trying to do. Jesus was the strengths of all the temperaments. In scripture, it says we are on this earth to represent him and to do our best to be Christ-like. So that's what we're trying to do, is we're trying to be the strengths of how God honored us to be, and then 
learn the strengths of the others. I haven't never really met in 30 years anybody who's really mastered their own and can go into the other realms. But what I'm trying to get the point across here is we do not put labels on people. And, and for example, when we were talking about identifying other people, if somebody said, oh, he, that person's so funny, they're yellow. Oh, that person's such a good leader, they're red. That would not, that's not what I teach. That's exactly the opposite of what I teach. You have to listen to how they're talking. The most, most comedians in the world are blue. So you have to be very careful about how the words are that are coming out of the person you're talking to or the person you're standing in front of. Kathleen, last time when we did our interview on episode 117, I did not ask you the lightning round question. So are you buckled in? Are you ready for the lightning round? <laughs> I am nervous because I'm blue, but uh, let me put my buckle on and let's go for it. You will do fine, I'm sure. <laughs> so my first question is, you have the ability to go back in time and talk to your former self on your first day as a communication coach. What advice would you give yourself? I would probably say trust in what's coming. Because honestly, where I'm at now, I would have never dreamt what has happened on this journey would have happened. Like I would have said, keep the course and trust what's coming. Because again, the book, the platform, you know, the downloads for the videos, I don't, you know, just reached 16 million. Wow. So the fact that this, this just this simple message of speaking kindly to another person, it's always been my passion, but it's much bigger than I would have ever, ever dreamed it to be. What are the last few books that you've read? Oh, let's see. I'm a big mystery fan. So I just read a um, Jeffrey Deaver book. I can't even remember the name of it. I think it was called Bones or something like that. Then I read the book about Corey Tenenboom, which I absolutely loved. And one that is called, I think it's called Atomic Habits. I've read that. That's a great book. Yeah, I just started that. So I'm really curious to get into that a little bit. Kathleen, I'm curious, what is your take on some of the best communication books? Uh, I think that they're a little bit more about focusing on you instead of the other person. And I'm so much more of leaving the other person feeling known and understood. And I think there's some really good communication books out there. For example, Love Languages. That's a big one that I'm sure everybody knows. But I have so many people coming in my office confused. They're like, we read the Love Languages and we're still fighting all the time. Well, let's just use that for you and I. If we did the Love Languages and both our Love Languages were words of affirmation, do you see the problem already without knowing the temperaments? Yeah, that's huge. And that's actually is my love language. And our words would be very different. They would be totally different. So again, I think there's some good information out there. I think they it would be even better information on the foundation of understanding the temperaments. So Kathleen, you've written this book. You've had this great life. You've helped so many people. Eventually, Hollywood's going to make a movie about your life. Who do you want to play you? 
I don't know really who I'd want to play me in the past, way back. This will definitely put an age label on me. Somebody told me that I resemble Pat Benatar. Um, oh, I could see that. <laughs> but that was back in the day. So I don't even know where she is in these, in these decades. But <laughs> I, I love that answer. And, and, and I, I think you were a rock star to many people. So that is a great answer. Thank you. Absolutely. My final question, you now can talk to anybody throughout history. Who would it be with and why? Um, gosh, now that list is much, much longer than the Pat Benatar list. But right now, I'm going to go with right now, my exact answer right now would have to be Corey Tenenbaum because I'm reading that book. And I'm always so perplexed and interested in people who are genuinely and almost so simply selfless in their actions. So right now I would want to talk to her and see what was that motivation. I don't know if you know her book, but. I don't. Can you tell us a little about it? It was back in the war crime days and she hid Jews in her house when the Germans were coming through. And it's an unbelievably true story. There's actually another really good book that you might like called Beneath the Scarlet Sky, which is also a true story about a young man in the front row armies and became a spy when he was 19. These stories are fascinating to me because, again, the selflessness of these people, I'm very intrigued with. Well, Kathleen, I'm sorry to say that uh, this is at the end of our interview, and, and I really want to thank you for coming on Scaling Up H2O a second time. I know I have learned a lot. I know we've helped the Scaling Up Nation out a lot, and uh, I want to share some information on my show notes page where people can get the assessment. They can learn more about what you do, but I just want to thank you again for coming on the show, coming on Scaling Up H2O. Well, you know, all you have to do is give me a call and I'll, I'll show up for you. You're helping me get the message out. And that's extremely important to me. Nation, I cannot have a conversation with Kathleen and not learn something new about the I said this, you heard that material. You, you heard it happen right there in the interview. And folks, I have tried to be a diligent student of this work for at least the last two years. And when you go through it and you talk with Kathleen, I tell you, there's just so much more to learn. And my personal testimony on this is this hands down has been one of the best things that I have done to allow me to understand how I communicate with people and more importantly, how they hear my communication as I'm speaking to them. It has been a game changer with how I communicate. And as Kathleen mentioned, she is working on some new programs. And the new program that I'm really excited about is how she is applying this to kids. And I know when I've talked with people that have gone through this program with their spouse or their team, most people said, wow, I wish I had this program when my kids were younger. Well, a couple of things, and I've heard Kathleen say this before, it's never too late to start. And two, I think she's heard that message time and time again. So she's created a program 
just for you communicating with kids. So that's coming out very soon. And she's also releasing a program directly for business people. Now we've done her, I said this, you heard that workbook at our company. It was one of the best programs that we have done here at Blackmore Enterprises. It has helped us communicate with ourselves as a team. It's helped us communicate with our customers and every one of my team members took that information to their families and they are now using that there as well. It's very exciting. By the way, if you need a copy of the workbook, we've created an Amazon affiliate link to make it really easy for you to find. That's scalinguph2o.com forward slash I said you heard. And folks, no doubt about it, there's so much to learn from this material. When I learn of the programs that I just mentioned coming out, I will let the Scaling Up Nation know. So it's my hope that the next time you're speaking to someone else, you choose that the words that you use are a gift from you to them. Folks, I also hope that you join us next week for a brand new episode of Scaling Up H2O. Scaling Up Nation, if you have a relationship with another person, there's no doubt about it, you have had a miscommunication. Life is full of miscommunications, but I think the key to life and those relationships is what do we do when we realize we have miscommunicated? I asked my friend and mastermind member, Tom Hardy, what his experience has been with some of the tools that we've learned in the Rising Tide Mastermind around communication. Here's what he said. Interestingly, it's at times it's validated my thoughts and processes when I've had conflicts with coworkers or other people that I deal with on a regular basis. And on the other end of that, at times it's, it's made me realize maybe I was not thinking straight and giving me a different perspective from the other side's point of view when I'm having running the complex issues. Tom, thanks for sharing that. Nation, again, communication is hard and most of us do more speaking than we do listening. That means we are not answering the right problem and no wonder people get frustrated. Well, I can't guarantee that if you join the Rising Tide Mastermind that that will never happen again, but I can tell you that we teach each other certain tools to make you set up for success when it comes to communicating with another individual. When was the last time you said something, it was mistaken and you wondered how you both got to that location? Well, we'll help you dissect that conversation within the mastermind group and hopefully give you some tools so if you had a similar conversation, you would be able to do that better, not just for yourself, but with the person on the other side of that communication. If that sounds like something you need help with, and boy, it's definitely something I need help with, go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash mastermind to find out more about the Rising Tide Mastermind and if this group is right for you.